Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, December 10th, 2017, on the basis of Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. So how are your cortisol levels doing this morning? In case you don't know, cortisol is a hormone that your body produces in response to stress. And unfortunately, cortisol doesn't exactly help with that stress. Cortisol causes your thinking to become cloudy. It causes you to forget things. It makes it easier for you to get sick. It makes it tougher for you to get to sleep. It causes drastic mood swings, anxiety, even depression. And as if all of that isn't bad enough, one of the things that can produce higher levels of cortisol in your body in addition to stress is caffeine intake. So I'm guessing that as you walked in here this morning, your cortisol levels might have been a little bit higher than normal. Tis the season, after all, right? You've got year-end deadlines to meet at work. You've got company to prepare for. You've got cards that need to get out and presents that need to get bought. If you're anything like me, your to-do list seems to be getting longer by the day instead of shorter. And the more you have to do, the higher your stress levels rise. And apparently, because of cortisol, the higher your stress levels rise, the tougher it is to get that work done. Sort of a a vicious cycle. All of that might mean that the word of God that's in front of us today might just be almost the last thing that you want to hear. The word of God that's in front of us today is sort of unique in that as we gather here this morning in this room It is more so addressed to me than it is to you. It's a word of God that is spoken to God's messengers, to men like the prophet Isaiah, men like John the Baptist, really to anyone who would stand up in front of a group of people and deliver a message from God. In other words, in these verses, God is telling me what I'm supposed to be telling you. And in these verses, he tells me to tell you that there's work to be done. Important work, essential work, hard work. As we hear about that work this morning, I'm guessing it won't come as any surprise to you. It is work like identifying and turning away from our sin. It is work like listening to, taking heart, taking to heart, making time for hearing the word of God. I'm guessing that this work will come as no surprise, and yet maybe you're thinking that more work is the last thing that you need right now. One more thing to do. One more reason for stress. And yet, as God tells me to tell you about the work that needs to be done, God also makes us a promise. He makes us the promise that this work is different, that this work is unique, that this work is in a class all by itself. In fact, this is the only work that has the ability not to raise the cortisol levels in your system, but actually to increase your comfort. In fact, that's the very first thing that God says to his messengers in these verses. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. So God willing, that's exactly what will happen as we look at these verses. That as we talk about the important, essential, and hard work that God wants us to do, we are going to see that this hard work is hardly work. In order to understand these verses, we need to talk a little bit about the context in which they were given, context that we talked briefly about last week. Once again, after centuries of living in the promised land in what we would call modern-day Israel, God's people had been invaded 
conquered and carried off into exile in Babylon, modern-day Iraq. So after centuries of what might be described as a war, a battle, a struggle going on between God and his people, God says, here's how I want you to live. His people say, well, we would rather live this way instead. After centuries of that war, God sends the nation of Babylon to carry out his punishment against his people. And so the first part of this message that God sends his messengers to deliver is aimed at the people who had been carried off into exile. And what God wants them to do sounds sort of like a major construction project. God wants them to build a road, a road that connects Babylon to Israel. And because all that lies in between Babylon and Israel is this rugged, desolate wilderness, this is going to be no easy task. There are mountains that need to be leveled. There are valleys that need to be raised. There are crooked roads that need to be straightened out and rocky roads that need to be leveled. This is going to be hard work. But we need to understand what this road is for. This road was not so that the people of Israel could come crawling back to God on their hands and knees asking for forgiveness. This was not even so that God could go to Babylon to see if the people of Israel had learned their lesson, if they had shaped up, and if he could bring this punishment to an end. No, this is the road that God himself would travel to Babylon to rescue his people, to deliver his people, to bring the war between God and them to an end, to bring peace. Now this road that he wanted them to build wasn't a literal road. It wasn't a road that God was going to literally travel. It was a, a figurative road, and it's the very same road that God wants you and I to build. See, just like the people of Israel, we can so often get caught up in what might be described as a, a war, a battle, a struggle against God. God says, I want you to live this way. We say, well, I'd, I'd kind of rather live this way. And just like the people of Israel, that war, that sin that we so often get caught up in, it distances us from God. It separates us from God. And honestly, that's kind of how we sometimes prefer it, to keep God at arm's length to keep him at a distance, to keep him sort of on the perimeter of our lives so that we can be over here doing our own thing. And yet this morning, God wants me to tell you to build a road, to identify and to turn from whatever sins have crept into your life, whatever sins you have been caught up in. God wants me to tell you to find those really, really big sins, those mountains, that need to be leveled, those valleys that need to be raised. He wants you to find the really little sins, the ever so slight deviations from the path that need to be straightened back out, the teeny tiny pebbles that need to be removed. God wants you to construct a perfectly smooth 65 mile an hour four lane highway between you and him. Why? Why should we do this? And and why would we take on more work at a time of year where that's probably the last thing that we need? Well, again, we need to remember what the road is for. The road is not for us to find our way back to God. The road is not for God to find his way to us to sort of inspect and see if we've been naughty or nice this past year and then punish or reward us accordingly. No, the road is the path that God himself will travel to deliver us, to rescue us, to set us free, to bring us peace. It is the road that Jesus himself traveled 
when he came to this earth. The road Jesus traveled when he came here to lay down his life for us, to bring the war between God and mankind to an end, to bring us peace. That's what the road is for. Will building it be tough? Sure it will. Identifying, turning away from sin, sometimes that is among the most painful things that we can possibly do. And yet building that road is also just a, a completely natural, a completely willing response to a God that we have, a God who is like this. A God who so consistently and so persistently seeks us out, finds us, rescues us. A God who didn't just come at Christmas, who didn't just come once in flesh, but who still shows up in all of the places and in all of the ways where he promises to show up in our lives, here in his word and here in his sacraments. And when we know that that's the kind of God that we have, it is just a natural response that we will want not to keep that God at arm's length, but for that God to be as close as possible, for him to be a guest right here in our hearts, for him to be a part of every single aspect of our lives. Will building that road, will identifying and turning away from sin, will what we call repentance be hard work? Well, sure. But it's hard work that's hardly work. Maybe that sounds like enough, right? One thing to work on between now and Christmas. And yet in order to understand these verses, we, we need to learn a little bit more about the context in which they were written. You see, as Isaiah wrote these words, Yes, there was this group from Israel who had been carried off into exile in Babylon, but there was also a group who had been left behind. People who were still in Jerusalem, still in Israel. And these were the people who got to look at and live in every single day the devastation that their own sins had caused. And day by day, coming face to face with the results of your worst failures kind of has a way of getting you down. And so God knew that he not only had a people in exile off in Babylon who needed to be rescued, he also had a people who were left behind in Jerusalem who needed to be encouraged. Now you might think that God would come to those people through his prophet Isaiah and he would say, there, there, it's okay. Sure, you messed up, but nobody's perfect. You've done some bad things, but that doesn't mean you're bad people. Through the prophet Isaiah, God actually does just the opposite. He comes to them and he first of all says, all people are like grass and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. All people are so fragile, so frail, so fickle that God compares them to grass and, and even our faithfulness, even the best things that we can possibly produce are nothing more than flowers. Sure, they look pretty for a while, but they quickly wither and fade as well. So rather than looking inside of themselves for any sort of encouragement, God again turns his people to him. God says to them, not only am I going to go to Babylon to set my people free, but I am going to come back from Babylon as a conquering hero. I am going to return with the prize for which I have fought in my hand. I am going to return with the spoils of war. I am going to return with the reward for all of the blood that I have shed with me in my hands. Do you know what that reward was? 
It was his people. The people of Israel, the very ones who had caused this mess, the very ones who have disobeyed him, God calls them his prize, his reward, and he promises that he will come back with that reward. Do you know who that reward is? That reward is you and me. You see, as soon as we start identifying and trying to turn from sin in our life, it's very easy for us to get discouraged. We know the truth about ourselves, and it's not pretty. And make no mistake, there is a voice that is inside of us, and there are lots of voices that are around us that try and offer us a solution to that problem. They all have one thing in common. They all tell us to find encouragement by looking within ourselves, by telling us how we're not all that bad. In fact, how we're, we're pretty good when you think about it. We're really wonderful, beautiful people. We're kind, caring people. They constantly tell us to look within. And yet God wants me to tell you to do just the opposite, to ignore those voices, to remember that even the very best things that we could possibly produce don't have any lasting, indestructible value. They are like flowers that are here one day and gone the next. But instead, simply by God's desire and by God's decree, you are a precious prize in his sight. You are the reward for which he has fought. You are the precious treasure for which he not only came to this earth, but you are the precious treasure that he is so eager to bring back. Why tune out the wrong voices and take time to listen to God's voice? Well, I'm guessing you've experienced in your life exactly what Isaiah is saying in these words. That as much as it's nice to hear encouragement from others and as much as we like to tell ourselves that we're not all that bad, we come face to face with our worst failures, our biggest disappointments, the pain that we cause in other people's life, and, and it, it just doesn't always work. But the word of our God, the word of our God lasts forever. Long after there is anyone else around us to say nice things about us, long after we're even here to say any nice things about ourselves, Jesus will be standing before his Father in heaven speaking about us. Look, Father. Look at what I have. Look at what I won. Look at what I brought back to you. How brilliant he is. How beautiful she is. Is that going to be hard work? Of course it is. After a long day, it is so much easier to just put the kids in bed, sit down on the couch, than it is to take time to have a devotion with them and sing a hymn with them. After a long week, it is so much easier to lounge around in your PJs on Sunday morning or try and catch up on a few things rather, rather than coming to church or Bible class. After a sleepless night, it is so easy to hit the snooze button one more time than get up and spend even 15 minutes with God in his word. And yet it is also the natural response of someone who has found the one voice that can truly make a difference, the one opinion about you that truly matters, the one verdict about you that will never fade but will last forever. So finding time to hear the voice of our God, yes, it is hard work, but it is hard work that is hardly worth it. Comfort. 
comfort my people, says your God. Did it work? I hope it worked. That even as we hear about the work that God wants us to do, it is work that brings us comfort, that takes away our stress and our worry rather than adding to it. And yet at the risk of not being smart enough to quit while I'm ahead, I want to tell you one more thing that I want you to do. Actually, one more thing that God wants me to tell you to do. You see, the second you walk out that door this morning, your role in all of this changes a little bit. And this message from God is not just one that he wants you to receive, it is also one that he wants you to deliver. With Christmas just a couple of weeks away, it is a very natural time to deliver this good news, to talk to friends and coworkers and family members and neighbors and whoever else it might be about things like God and faith and maybe even church and religion. Is that hard work? Well, sure it is. All kinds of reasons why all of us can convince ourselves that that is hard work, including me. But here's what I want you to think about. When you find yourself in a situation and whatever opportunity God might give you to deliver this message, I can almost guarantee that you are going to be conversing with someone who thinks of religion as work who thinks of their relationship with God as one more big, long to-do list, one more reason for stress in their life. And in fact, they might even think of Christianity as the perfect example of that. You have the privilege of showing them, telling them different, of telling them about a God like this, a God who brings comfort, rather than more cortisol into our lives. You get to tell them about a God who is willing to come all the way here to rescue them. You get to tell them about a God who is so excited about bringing them back and showing them to his Father in heaven. Tell them about that kind of God. Offer them that kind of comfort. Is that hard work? Well, sure. But that, too, is hard work that's hardly work. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.